0: Chisholm against Georgia, 1793. These are the facts. It was 1792, and much was uncertain about the government of the new republic. Would the state submit to federal power? What role would the judiciary play in the three-part system? Would the Constitution work? That is, would it provide for the daily operations of government? The Supreme Court met uncertainties as they arose. In the case of Chisholm against Georgia, a citizen of South Carolina sued Georgia for breaking a contract with him. He started his suit in the Supreme Court under Article Three of the Constitution. The judicial power shall extend to controversies between a state and citizens of another state. In cases in which a state shall be a party, the Supreme Court shall have original jurisdiction. When the Supreme Court summoned Georgia's governor and attorney general to appear, they ignored the summons. Thus the question arose as to whether the court could enter a binding judgment against a state which failed to appear in its own defense when the suit was between the state and an individual citizen of another state. The argument by
1: the Attorney General of the United States. May it please the court. The motion I have made is unpopular. On ordinary occasions, this might influence me greatly. But on this, which brings into question a constitutional right supported by my own conviction, to surrender it, would in me be official perfidy. Are states to enjoy the high privilege of acting eminently wrong without control, or does a remedy exist? The love of morality would lead us to wish that some check could be found. I hold it, therefore, to be no degradation of sovereignty in the states to submit to the supreme judiciary of the United States. Still, we may be pressed with the final question. What if the state is resolved to oppose the execution? This would be an awful question indeed. He, to whose lot it should fall to solve it, would be impelled to invoke the God of Wisdom to illuminate his decision. I will not believe that he would recall the tremendous examples of vengeance which in past days have been inflicted by those who claim against those who violate authority. Scenes like these are too full of horror not to agitate, not to rack the imagination. But at least we must settle on this result. There are many duties precisely defined which the states must perform. Let the remedy which is to be administered if these should be disobeyed be the remedy on the occasion which we contemplate but after all, although no mode of execution should be invented, why shall
0: not the court proceed to judgment? The case was so important that each judge delivered a separate opinion. In the end, four out of five judges voted to enter judgment against Georgia, and one dissented. Though the judge's opinions cover many of the same issues, the great difference in tone and in what each judge thought important is an interesting revelation of how the Supreme Court reaches a decision. We can be sure the process is very much the same today. The Opinion of the Court by Mr. Justice Blair.
2: The Constitution of the United States is the only fountain from which I shall draw, the only authority to which I shall appeal. Whatever be the true language of that, it is obligatory upon every member of the Union, for no state could have become a member but by the adoption of it by the people of that state. What then do we find there requiring the submission of individual states to the judicial authority of the United States? This is expressly extended to controversies between a state and citizens of another state. Is then the case before us one of that description? Undoubtedly, it is. Our Constitution most certainly contemplates the maintaining of jurisdiction against a state as defendant. This is unequivocally asserted when the judicial power of the United States is extended to controversies between two or more states, for there a state must of necessity be a defendant. It seems to me that if this court should refuse to hold jurisdiction of a case where a state is defendant,
0: it would renounce part of the authority conferred by the Constitution. A concurring opinion by Mr. Justice Wilson. This is a case of uncommon magnitude. One of the parties is a state, certainly respectable, claiming to be sovereign. The question to be determined is whether this state, so respectable, and whose claims soar so high, is amenable to the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court of the United States. The question may ultimately be resolved into this. Do the people of the United States form a nation? A state, like a merchant, makes a contract. A dishonest state, like a dishonest merchant, willfully refuses to discharge it. The latter is amenable to a court of justice. Shall the former, when summoned to answer the fair demands of its creditors, be permitted, proteus-like, to assume a new appearance and insult him in justice by declaring I am a sovereign state? Surely not. As a citizen, I know the government of that state to be republican, and my short definition of such a government is one constructed on this principle that the supreme power resides in the body of the people as a judge of this court i know and can decide that the citizens of georgia when they acted upon the large scale of the union as a part of the people of the united states did not surrender the supreme or sovereign power to that state but as to the purposes of the union retained it to themselves. As to the purposes of the Union, therefore, Georgia is not a sovereign state. The people of the United States did, however, vest this court with jurisdiction over the state of Georgia. The truth may be deduced from the declared objects and the general texture of the Constitution of the United States. One of its declared objects is to form a union more perfect than before that time had been formed. Before that time, the union possessed legislative, but unenforced legislative power over the states. Nothing could be more natural than to intend that this legislative power should be enforced by powers executive and judicial. Another declared object is to establish justice. This points in a particular manner to the judicial authority. Whoever considers in a combined and comprehensive view the general texture of the Constitution will be satisfied that the people of the United States intended to form themselves into a nation for national purposes. Is it congruous that with regard to such purposes any man or body of men, any person, natural or artificial, should be permitted to claim successfully an entire exemption for the jurisdiction of the national government? A concurring
1: opinion by Mr. Justice Cushing. As controversies between state and state, and between a state and citizens of another state might tend gradually to involve states in war and bloodshed, a disinterested civil tribunal was intended to be instituted to decide such controversies and preserve peace and friendship. Further, if a state is entitled to justice in the federal court against a citizen of another state, why not such a citizen against the state when the same language equally comprehends both? The rights of individuals and the justice due them are as dear and precious as those of the state's.
2: A concurring opinion by Chief Justice J. For my own part, I am convinced that the sense in which I understand and have explained the words controversies between states and citizens of another state is the true sense. The extension of the judiciary power of the United States to such controversies appears to me to be wise. Because it is honest and because it is useful. It is honest because it provides for doing justice without respect of persons and by securing individual citizens as well as states in their respective rights, performs the promise which every free government makes to every free citizen of equal justice and protection. It is useful because it leaves not even the most obscure and friendless citizen without means of obtaining justice from a neighboring state, because it recognizes and strongly rests on this great moral truth, that justice is the same, whether due from one man or a million,
0: or from a million to one man. A dissenting opinion by Mr. Justice Iradell. My conception of the Constitution is this. I conceive that all the courts must receive not merely their organization, but all their authority as to the manner of their proceeding from the legislature only. This appears to me to be one of those cases with many others in which an article of the Constitution cannot be effectuated without the intervention of the legislative authority. But the Congress has acted to organize and regulate the proceedings of the judiciary, and nowhere has given it the power to make a state defendant as here. From this it is plain that the legislature did not choose to leave to our discretion the path of justice, but has prescribed one of its own. In doing so, it has, I think, wisely referred us to principles and usages of law already well known, and by their precision calculated to guard against that innovating spirit of courts of justice. By what principles would we decide a case such as this? I know of none such which can affect this case, but those that are derived from what is properly termed the common law. A law which I presume is the groundwork of the laws in every state in the Union. Blackstone, in the first volume of his commentaries, speaking of demands upon the king, states the general remedy thus. If any person has, in point of property, a just demand upon the king, he must petition him in his court of chancery where his chancellor will administer right as a matter of grace though not upon compulsion. Thus it appears that in England even in the case of a private debt contracted by the king in his own person there is no remedy but by petition. I have now I think established the following. First, The Constitution, so far as it respects the judicial authority, can only be carried into effect by acts of the legislature, appointing courts, and prescribing their methods of proceedings. Second, that Congress has provided no new law in regard to this case, but expressly referred us to the old. Thirdly, that there are no principles of the old law that in any manner authorize the present suit.
1: Conclusion. Justice Iridale's dissent obviously spoke for the young country. So great was the feeling against bringing a state into court as a defendant, that three years later the 11th Amendment to the Constitution was adopted. Amendment 11th. The judicial power of the United States shall not be construed to extend to any suit in law or in equity commenced or prosecuted against one of the United States by citizens of another state or by citizens or subjects of any foreign state.